the City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hi, everyone. This is Russell Cox. I'm editor of the Municipal Association's Uptown Publication and Digital Production Manager, and I am joined again today by Eric Scheidel, General Counsel for the Municipal Association. Eric, how are you today? Excellent. Ready for the short week. <laughs> we, we are recording this. We are recording this just ahead of Thanksgiving. So we have brought you back again to talk about First Amendment issues, in this case, uh, First Amendment audits. You presented this recently at the Joint Academy of the South Carolina Municipal Finance Officers, Clerks, and Treasurers Association and the South Carolina Business Licensing Officials Association. That's right. Uh, I'm gaining knowledge in this site, uh, Mm -hmm. in this area. We we present again at the Municipal Attorneys Association next week, December Mm -hmm. the 6th, and then we'll be presenting on this topic at the South Carolina Utility Billing Association in February. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of interest in this topic. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Eric, to start us off with, a First Amendment audit, what is a First Amendment audit? What what does it look like from the standpoint of the person at City Hall who sees one coming in? I think some of our listeners probably already know what a First Amendment audit is because they've experienced one. Mm -hmm. And those listeners who have not probably wonder, why should I care about something called a First Amendment audit? It sounds like something that is is really unusual or esoteric or out of left field. Mm Mm-hmm. Simply what a First Amendment audit is, is a private citizen usually using just a camera phone, video recording device on their phone, will initiate an encounter with public employees and try to provoke a reaction while filming. Uh, And so, you know, an example that we've had here in South Carolina is a large group of so-called First Amendment auditors. There's six or seven of them, all with their cell phones out, using their video recorders, walk into City Hall confront the person at the front desk and start asking rude and belligerent questions and then just wandering around the building. Mm -hmm. It's a social media phenomenon. It involves people who call themselves citizen journalists or social media activists initiating contact with public employees, filming that interaction and trying to provoke a reaction that creates hits on YouTube. And it's tends to be alarming if you've never seen one before. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the concept, I, the reactions, I've watched a lot of these videos on YouTube, a lot of videos of First Amendment audits. Uh, and in many cases, the, you can tell the people who don't know what's going on, it'll be a person who doesn't identify themselves, who provides no context for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlike, you know, imagine the typical situation, you're being in view, interviewed on camera by a news reporter. They'll tell you beforehand, here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Fit, they'll say, hi, I'm, you know, with such and such news station. What a First Amendment auditor does instead is they come up and say, hey, what's your name? What are you doing? How long have you worked here? What's in that room? And again, the, the purpose is to provoke public employees on camera and then share through social media the results of the encounter. So people are very familiar with the guarantee of freedom of speech in the First Amendment. So the question there is video recording as a form of speech it, it does seem weird mm-hmm. I, I i agree you, you know we we in, in a prior podcast on the first amendment we we paraphrase the first amendment to say congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech and it's mm-hmm. been made applicable to the states and therefore applicable to local governments now it, it says speech the, the premise here is that recording someone is a form of speech and that seems odd Mm-hmm. And and there were court cases when when you're out of the gate and this first this question first came up, 
there were a number of courts that said, look, video recording is just a form of conduct. It's, you know, it's not speech. It's, mm-hmm. And the, the consensus that has emerged, uh, and it's been in about half of the federal circuits now, is that video recording is a form of speech. And, and, and they've explained this reasoning, a couple different approaches they've used. And I should add, we have to have this undercurrent is it's not just speech, but also the First Amendment also protects the, the freedom of the press. Mm-hmm. So, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion. Those are the three main guarantees in the First Amendment. One of the critical things that the courts, one of the critical moves courts have made is to say, it doesn't matter if your recording is expressive at the time you make it. It may be that the recording becomes expressive only later when you distribute it well even you know even if you review it if i were to to go around and just film randomly you know we 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 have an article coming up in uptown where we trace the evolution of this back it's actually george holiday who filmed the rodney king beating in 1991 he was just standing out on his balcony with a with a video camera george holiday was and he's he's filming and it's a police encounter there's no speech there it's conduct but then something happens something of public import. There's a beating. Mm-hmm. And, and this happens a lot. You may be filming a, a parade or a protest or some other event. And at the moment you're recording it, you don't realize that anything significant is about to happen. Uh, maybe only in retrospect. So, so what courts have said is, look, th- even though you know any given moment of recording may just be you standing around with the camera in your hand with the video going, something of public importance may happen. Um, and the language that, that, you know, is, has been used is it may not be immediately obvious that there's public content to what you're doing. A, a second argument that, that, that I think maybe is, is, is among the most interesting is that the First Amendment rights that are being protected are not the First Amendment rights of the person making the recording. Let's say, Russell, that you're filming something and the government says you can't film that. And you say, well, there's a First Amendment violation. And you say, well, whose First Amendment rights have been violated? And you could say, well, they're yours as the, as the video photographer that you have a right to film. Mm-hmm. But some courts have said, no, it's the First Amendment rights that are being protected are the future viewers of the recording you're made. And, and the language that courts have used is it, it's the government cannot limit This is a quote from a case, from a Third Circuit case. The stock of information from which members of the public may draw. Mm -hmm. So that if if I were a viewer of your YouTube channel and you were video recording and posting them on your YouTube channel, then it's my First Amendment rights. It's Mm -hmm. it's my right to have an access to the full scope of information of speech that's out there. And the final one we've already mentioned this is is really it's 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 about protection of the press, mm-hmm. and it's hard to draw these lines today. We, 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 you know, an obvious point that our viewers have probably already thought about is that in the in the Rodney King era in 1991, when George Holiday filmed the Rodney King beating, the video camera he had was a was a large contraption with a VHS tape in it that he it just was- wouldn't lug around with him wherever he went. But today. You can capture 4K video on a device that fits in your pocket. Mm-hmm. One thing that's important to know about the context in which th- these cases have evolved is that we're living really in an age of, of First Amendment absolutism. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a young person in the, in, in the 80s, there was a sense that the courts were not being protective of enough of the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. There was various censorship activities, and you think of Ray Bradbury with Fahrenheit 451 or trying to limit the distribution of Prince records or things like that. So, mm-hmm. so you would think that the courts weren't sufficiently protective of First Amendment. 
the, the modern Supreme Court, today's Supreme Court, is extremely protective of First Amendment rights to the point that, that, that I think it's fair to say we're in an age of First Amendment absolutism. The Supreme Court and the federal courts in general have, have adopted a really highly absolutist view of what the First Amendment requires. And in that context, maybe it shouldn't be surprising that video recording of public employees in public places is considered a form of speech. So first Amend- the classic First Amendment audit is marching into City Hall, but before we get to that, it has the law in this area has kind of developed around situations of recording police activity. Yeah, that's that's right. And 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 this is the most high, high profile and most familiar context in which the general, you know, the genre, the the format of recording government employees doing government business. The most high, high profile example of this has been filming police encounters. Mm-hmm. And and we've we've already mentioned the Rodney King beating, 1991, George Holiday standing on his balcony with a VHS camcorder and he films this beating which then becomes Probably one of the most one of the early examples of what's a what we would call today a viral video, mm-hmm. uh, a video captured by a private citizen, which then gets picked up and widely distributed, uh, and leads to really serious consequences for the Los Angeles Police Department and later the entire city of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so that context of filming police encounters, particularly in in the 21st century, with video cameras on on cell phones has become really important. There have been a number, you know, you think of Ferguson, Baltimore, and New York City. We call them bystander videos. You're somewhere, you witness an encounter between the police and a suspect, and you whip your phone out. And then you start recording, and something happens, either Mm -hmm. an example of police brutality, an example uh, of police misconduct. And what's happened is the courts have been extremely protective of that type of activity. And so the cases that have come up have, have really evolved in that context. And the courts have adopted what's, what's essentially an absolutist view on the right to film police officers encountering, having an encounter with a suspect or a member of the public in a public place. So let's talk about First Amendment audits, how they play out, why they're called audits. Well, that's an interesting question. So, so we've set the stage that the right to film public officials in public places is protected by the First Amendment. So that in itself is not a First Amendment audit. Why do we call it a First Amendment audit? Now, what's happened, there's a loosely organized group of, let's call them social media activists, um, citizen journalists, who, who have decided that what they want to do is test government's willingness to comply with this rule Mm -hmm. and so what you're doing when you say we're auditing someone when a citizen activist or a social media uh maven says i want to test the government's compliance with first amendment then there's really two ways that this has played out they've they've initiated encounters with police officers let's go back to the to the situation we talked about in which the law developed it's what we call a bystander video a police officer encounters a suspect and a third party who's not involved in that encounter happens to have a phone and films it. Mm-hmm. Now it's a different situation when the, rather than a bystander video, the video is, is actually initiated by the person with the camera. So if you go on YouTube uh, and search for first amendment audits, you'll see lots of cases in which uh, a person with a camera is trying to provoke a police officer into a reaction either by engaging in suspicious behavior 
one great example that, that I showed at the Joint Academy is uh, t- two, two gentlemen who go into a police parking lot and they're taking their cell phones and videotaping inside of police cars. They're walking from police car to police car, filming in, you know, filming through the windows of the police cars. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's designed to provoke a reaction. The, the, the police officers come out and say, what are you doing in our parking lot filming our cars? And their response is, well, we're checking the tent levels in your window to see what the tent regulations are <laughs> on police cars, which is, you know, not officially valid explanation, but, but mm-hmm. that's what they say. And they're trying to provoke the police officers into making them stop. An- another context in which uh, another really famous video that has resulted in litigation is a guy standing outside of a private business. He's just standing on the sidewalk outside of a private business, engaged in what we would ordinarily call loitering, if you had a loitering statute. And the police officer comes up to him and says, what are you doing? And he says, I don't have to tell you that. And what he's trying to do is get the police officer to ask him questions and then not respond. Mm-hmm. A final example of video I showed, another video I showed at the Joint Academy is, and this one's interesting to me because it, it presents some questions we'll talk about later. There was a, a victim of domestic violence. This was a police department uh, in the Northeast who had registered a complaint with the local police department. And they didn't have a secure staging area. They, did, they didn't have this police department, small police department. They didn't have what a lot of police uh, stations have, which is, you know, a secure area for witnesses, suspects, victims to enter the police department. So essentially she was in the police car being brought in for an interview about what happened. And, the, and she was exiting the police vehicle in front of the police station to go into the building. Mm-hmm. And a First Amendment auditor was trying to film her. And another police officer, not the one in the car, but another one was trying to shield his view so that the woman's identity, the domestic violence victim, would not be captured on video. And the First Amendment auditor is saying, I have an absolute right to film. I'm in a public place. You're obstructing my First Amendment rights. And, and the officer, who behaved admirably in the video, says, no, I'm trying to protect the, the identity of a, of a private citizen who has allegedly been a victim of a crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so again, this is a case where they're trying to provoke a reaction. Now the other context, so that's, that's let's call those, you know, citizen initiated police encounters, which are designed to provoke the police officer and audit them to see if they reply in, in accordance with the auditor's sense of what the first amendment requires. The other context is people who just walk into public buildings. Mm-hmm. Th- this has happened in South Carolina cities where uh, a group of, of several so-called First Amendment auditors come into a public building, cameras rolling, say to the city clerk or town receptionist or whoever's there, hey, what's your name? What's your job? How long have you been here? And then they just start walking around the public building, filming in offices, filming in hallways, maybe in stairways. And again, what they're trying to do is to provoke a reaction, which is, and the reaction they want is for the government to try to restrict their activity. Mm Mm-hmm. Because then they post it to YouTube and say, my First Amendment rights have been violated. So, so uh, you know, long story short, what a First Amendment audit is, it's called an audit because it's a procedure by which they think they test the degree to which governments comply with the First Amendment. So we're, we've kind of laid the foundation so far. So we'll stop there for the first part. And I believe for when we pick this back up in part two, we're, we're going to be talking about divisions in public spaces and forums and steps cities and towns can take. So for this first part, Eric, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. 
The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.